A lot of motorcycles on the road these days, you know, gas prices. And there are those who will tell you motorcycles are not practical because you can't ride in the rain. Eventually, you're going to have to learn because nature will ensure that you can't be a fair weather rider. The same thing applies to citizenship. Sometimes you have to ride through the storm. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network. And here to warm up the saddle is Dan Newman. You know what, listening to Pete in that intro, I was just thinking about this. Most of the time when we're puzzling through something, I don't care if it is really complicated or we just think it's really complicated. Whatever our thoughts are, it's really complicated to us. Most of the time, if we'll just relax a little bit, maybe take two steps back, sit down, and think it through, we come up with the right answer. Now, that doesn't mean all the time that we act on that right answer that we come up with, human nature and all those things. We make sometimes life way harder than it's got to be. We need to find the right way and not pick, well, we're going to do it because it's the hardest way or we're going to do it because this is the easiest way to do it. We need to find and concentrate on the right solutions, the right answers for anything and everything we do. Now, we're not going to make the correct choice every time. Nobody does that. But what we can do is the best job that we possibly can come up with in finding answers for life's issues, every one of them. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week. Welcome to a historic day, a sad historic day in American history. I'm pretty sure everybody listening in, I don't care what part of the globe you're listening from, you remember where you were, what you were doing, and how you first discovered that the 9-11 towers, Twin Towers, were falling and it would change the nation and the world forever. I'll never forget it. We had an office at the downtown airport in Shreveport. I was inside our office building in my office with the door closed, and somebody knocked on my door and said, Mr. Dan, turn on your TV. There's something going on in New York City. So I walked over and turned it on just as the second plane struck tower number two. I couldn't figure out what was going on. It shocked me. I mean, those are the two most prominent buildings in the United States had been since they went up. And all of a sudden, they're down. And nobody, nobody had an answer for what went on. And you know the rest of it. You too, I can promise, you remember where you were, what you were doing when you first heard the towers are down. And thousands of Americans have died because terrorists took over airplanes and used them against us. I have a good friend from Shreveport, Louisiana, that was in flight school in central Florida. He left Shreveport, was a school teacher, a coach, and he wanted to become a pilot. 
He went to Central Florida and was actually in the flight school with at least one of these guys that piloted one of those jumbo jets. Imagine when he realized who that was and he looked back and remembered that guy was in class with him. You want me to tell you how he determined that was one of those guys? He remembered one guy when they were working on jumbo jet piloting, working on simulators. And this one guy told the instructor when they got to how to land that big jumbo jet, the guy said, I don't need to learn how to land one. Now, who would say that unless it was somebody that had surreptitious thoughts in their minds? And who wouldn't pick up on somebody actually saying that in flight school? If only, if only. We have so many if onlys in our life. But you know what? Those are important. Yeah, I get it. Because we learn from choices that we make. Sometimes they don't work out exactly like we want them to. But nevertheless, you pick and choose. You come up with the best solution, and you hope and pray that's the right one, the best one for you. I doubt very seriously there was a single one of those almost 3,000 Americans that went to work that day that even gave a remote consideration that would be their last day on planet Earth. That by itself, should make us all stand up and pay attention to what's going on in our lives, what we're doing with our lives. I'm 70 years old now, 70 years old. Now you do the math, 22 years ago, 9-11, how old was I? (laughs) I didn't give any thought to something like that ever happening to me, and I fly a lot. I flew a lot more then than I do now, But I was on the road and airplanes all over. Never gave thought to something like that happening. And nobody on any of those jets had worried about that either. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it's not because good people have done something wrong. It's because bad people do bad things. And good people sometimes get caught up and what happens there. So what are we going to do this morning to honor those people and honor all of those first responders, firemen, policemen, many of who lost their lives because of the aftermath, all of the conditions that developed from that dust and all the chemicals and stuff in the air for days and weeks and months in Manhattan that they all had to deal with. We'll say a prayer today for your family members. We will never forget, never forget the sacrifice that you made.
God bless the USA. Wow. If you didn't tear up, <laughs> if you didn't tear up, if you don't get a little weepy eye, you need to pray for some uh, humility. <laughs> and understanding for other people in their losses. This doesn't happen too often to me. But I tell you what, I want to do something that may shock some of you. After those patriotic moments that we just shared together, Taps and then Whitney Houston, Star Spangled Banner, Here's what I can honestly say. <laughs> You're going to chuckle over this, but isn't it good to be alive? Don't you think we're honored and blessed as Americans that we're alive? And it's not because we did anything grandiose to own that right. It's because God is good to us and we're still alive because of all of that. And so we need to remember all those that went before us, that paid the price, many the ultimate price, and the families that will forever have those loved ones only in memories. We need to remember them. But we also need to remember today's a good day. If for no other reason, we're here. And to make the best of every day, you and me. You gotta get scars to get what you deserve. Uh-huh. I kept moving on, and now I'm moving up. Uh-huh. And that was a mistake. <laughs> I apologize. When you work with electronics, sometimes you um, you click the wrong switch. I am so sorry, and for that to happen on a day like today of memory and honor and all of those things. I I apologize. Please forgive me. I made a (laughs) boo-boo. Oh, well. We have a lot to talk about today. Our president, this president, folks, is the first one that has been in office since 9-11 happened that isn't in Manhattan at the Twin Towers site. He's the first one that didn't go that day. Yeah, he was at that G21 summit. He was over in India, and he made a stop in Vietnam going back. But for whatever reason, today, he's in Alaska. Now, I know there are important things. That's one of our 50 states and all that. I, I get all that. But they're going to be there tomorrow. All of these people that lost those loved ones that are mourning those today, I think it is pretty obvious that every president of the United States should be willing to share just one day in memory of 3,000 Americans. wasn't quite 3,000 that died that day. But if you add in all the casualties after the fact, It's well over 3,000 have died because of what happened 9-11. 
in 2001, and our president didn't think it was important enough to fly back to Washington, D.C., New York. I mean, he can go anywhere in the world he wants to anytime he wants to. All he's got to do is notify the pilots of Air Force One, and bam, they go. I don't think I will ever understand that. And his G21 summit was not a good thing for the American people. He did not handle things well. At the very beginning of it, he kind of made himself look bad. He shook hands and he greeted Saudi Arabian leader Mohammed bin Salim, MBS, at the G21 summit in New Delhi, India on Saturday. Now, he did that. Nobody ever thought he would shake MBS's hand because of what MBS had done. And also because Biden previously threatened to make Saudi Arabia, MBS's country, the pariahs that they are. He shook hands with the Saudi leader. And this was a a summit that was supposed to tout the new India-Middle East-European economic corridor. During the 2021, excuse me, 2020 presidential campaign, Biden threatened to make Saudi Arabia a pariah and said they are very little redeeming factors to the country's government. This is a game-changing regional investment, Biden said Saturday in reference to this corridor. Come up with a new name for that part of the world. Biden's expected to personally meet MBS that Middle Eastern leader that was accused of multiple human rights violations during the summit, we don't know if they even met. Biden had previously said he would not sell military equipment to Saudi Arabia, and he threatened to make the country a pariah. I would make it very clear we were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, that pariah that they are. I guess somebody gave him that word pariah and he liked the sound of it, so he just keeps using it over and over and over. He met with MBS back in 2022, gave him a fist bump, a move that lawmakers and media decried as shameful. The Washington Post of all newspapers decried MBS in Saudi Arabia from the murder of Jamal Khashoggi who was a journalist that regularly spoke out against authoritarian rule. The CIA found that MBS had previously ordered the killing of Khashoggi, who had been historically critical of the Saudi government. So besides his greeting with MBS, Biden met with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen to discuss the new global corridor in response to China's own efforts to create a new Silk Road. In the White House, in the aftermath of all this, they've just kind of been quiet. They've just gone quiet. These G21 leaders, and why is it now, it's not G20, it's G21, we have a new member. So it's G21. They met in New Delhi to address a lot of global issues, including the sustainability, environment, taxation, money laundering, terrorism, and they did all that without condemning Russia's actions in Ukraine. I wonder why. 
The 37-page leader's declaration did not highlight Ukraine, but emphasized refraining from territorial force and also nuclear weapons. The declaration centered on preventing destruction and preserving life with an initial focus on global war-related suffering. Despite involvement in the Ukraine conflict, Western leaders endorsed the declaration, signifying a global shift and a call to end the protracted war causing casualties and displacement. The only mention of Russia was to appreciate its efforts with Turkey and the United Nations to engineer the Black Sea Grain Initiative in a desperate call to renew the Sinstall Agreement. Recall that the G7 is not directly involved in any of these negotiations. None of this stuff makes any sense to me. It just doesn't. The G20 major economies consist of 19 countries and the European Union, making up about 85% of the global gross domestic product and two-thirds of the world's population. G20 becomes G21 with the addition of the African Union. The 37-page leader's declaration contained 11 chapters. Ukraine did not headline a single chapter. In a nod to the G7, the declaration conceded rather broadly that all states must refrain from the threat or use of force to seek territorial acquisition against any state's territorial integrity and sovereignty on political independence. The use or threat of use of nuclear weapons is inadmissible. It was a severe rebuke to the West, which has continued to wage a proxy war in Ukraine to the tune of nearly $200 billion in military commitments, and it's avoided all efforts to reach a peace deal of any kind. There's been no peace negotiation between Volodymyr Zelensky and Vladimir Putin. Now, let me, let me ask you this. How do you end a war? How do you end a disagreement? a conflict, a fight, oral, whatever, with some political foe or somebody in your office you don't get along with. Isn't it better to put all of the differences aside and fight commonality and get peace? They didn't even talk about any of that. There hasn't been any peace talks. So what are we supposed to think? Are we just supposed to sign a blank check, send it to the White House and say, here you go, Uncle Joe, spend everything you want to spend on Ukraine. Send them as much money as you want to. We're going to stand behind and just go with the flow. Now, let me give you another little insight that's going to turn your stomach. Our Department of Defense has paid about $1 billion to an arms dealer who once was indicted for allegedly bribing foreign officials, and we gave this guy a billion bucks to supply equipment to Ukraine. And this leaked out from the New York Times over the weekend. The Pentagon has paid Florida-based global ordinance $1 billion for contracts to supply ammunition, and that includes rockets and shells, 
to Ukrainian forces to use in the struggle against the invading Russian forces. Mark Morales, who leads Global Ordnance, was the subject of a DOJ indictment back in 2009 that alleged he had participated in a conspiracy and a money laundering activity with the DOJ, further alleging Morales was recorded on tape talking about how to illicitly pay off foreign officials. That sounds kind of like the guy that would be in business with the Biden administration, doesn't it? He was talking about ways to illicitly pay off foreign officials, like maybe, uh, I don't know, a president. Because FBI agents mishandled their relationship with a key informant and the investigation into Morales, prosecutors dismissed the charges against him. Morales' involvement in the Ukrainian arms trade demonstrates the urgency to defend the country's territory, and it has given rise to global arms market dynamics that empower and give lots of money and power to little-known contractors to win large contracts that may have otherwise dried up after the U.S. pared down its military presence over in the Middle East. In addition to those Pentagon contracts, Morales has established a side operation worth the paltry $200 million in which he sells supplies directly to the Ukrainians. Contrary to what we may see in the movies, long-term success depends upon knowing, fully respecting, following all the rules of all countries involved. That statement came from Brian Van Brunt, who serves as general counsel for Global Ordnance. Van Brunt maintained that the company follows all applicable statutes in correspondence with the New York Times. The U.S. has supplied over $40 billion worth of military aid. I wonder how much that $40 billion worth of military aid really should have cost. You know what I'm saying? If we're buying it from this guy that he cheats all the time, he lies, and he's a gun runner, do you think if we gave him $40 billion, we should have given him $40 billion? I don't think so. Morales and other contractors with extensive connections in international arms markets around the globe, are useful, we are told, for supplying smaller, more basic varieties of ammo, much of which is lower-end or Soviet caliber from all over the world. Yeah, it's low-end, it's cheap. We only gave the guy a billion dollars. That's how cheap it is. Morales showed how proficient he is in fulfilling military contracts in Afghanistan. That was a successful thing for us, wasn't it? And also in Syria. Yeah, he sold us the stuff, sold Bill. No, Bill was gone then, wasn't he? But Hillary wasn't. She was Secretary of State. Barack was there, as was our current Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. They were all involved in the Syria Europe, Northern Africa stuff that was going on. (laughs) This is just plain corruption. 
We gave those Syrian rebels that we were told were the only line of defense left for the Syrian people. Basra Assar, the evil leader of Syria, was killing, he was gassing his own people. And we didn't want to get involved in the internal conflict over there with military action. So what did we do? We found these Syrian rebels and we sent them scads of money and weapons of all kinds so they could take on Basra Assad themselves. Only to find out later, that was ISIS. We funded the beginning of ISIS. Corruption in the military, it's been a problem for the Ukrainian forces. In the many months since the war escalated, global ordinance has been the subject of an investigation by Ukraine's anti-corruption agencies. Go figure. This is almost like circling back. Joe Biden, is he involved in this one? You know he is. He's the president of the United States. He's the one that's writing the checks to Ukraine. (laughs) The Pentagon won't even weigh in on it. They won't even take a phone call about it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Graft and corruption, it exists. It's always there. It's always going to be there. Why? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. And we're seeing it play out before our very eyes every day. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads. Quieter brake pads. Longer life brake pads. And performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need. So you can get the job done right. Get in the zone. AutoZone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at anything. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry? Better? Better. So, ladies. So loses. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. You know, when we have our president on foreign soil, he's away from us. He seems to be making more of those kind of trips, doesn't it, to you? 
I haven't looked back at his schedule, but he's he's gone a lot. Now, honestly, I feel that I don't have a problem with him being gone because when he's gone, at least not everybody here in the media is talking about him. But this trip this past weekend, it really was strange. It showed there is really some cognitive stuff going on with Joe Biden, and it's obviously getting much worse. He did a press conference that abruptly ended yesterday. Now, remember where he is. He was over there in Vietnam. This is the end of it. He went to India for the G7, and then he went to Vietnam on the way back on his way to the U.S., but he didn't go to New York for the 9-11 celebration today. He's in Alaska. But, He had to get up, have a press conference. He's got to talk to the American people at the end of it all. So that press conference, it started. Joe was talking, and it ended all of a sudden, very abruptly. A member of his own team appeared to announce the end of questions and did that while the president was speaking to reporters. Mid-sentence. Now, that happened in Hanoi, Vietnam, following the G20 summit. So while the president was answering a question, somebody was heard speaking over the president saying, thank you, everybody, before suddenly just turning the mics off and ending the conference. Biden also said thank you before he started wandering off stage. CNN reported that White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was the one who ended the president's remarks. The president took five questions from reporters, concluded by telling everybody, listen to this. This may be why KJ jumped him, uh, cut him off. He ended it telling everybody that he was going to go to bed. (laughs) However, the president appeared to linger And CNN's Jeremy Diamond asked him about whether he was putting the U.S.'s strategic interest above those of human rights. Diamond discussed the exchange on CNN just a little bit later. Here's what he said. Vietnam in particular has a poor record as it relates to any political dissent. They are the third largest jailer of journalists in the world. And the president said, I don't put anything above human rights. And he said that he has raised issues of human rights with every leader he has met with, including today with the Vietnamese general secretary. This is Diamond on his own network, CNN. Biden also ignored a question about being worried over his son Hunter being indicted as he walked away from the podium. And he repeated that infamous phrase that we've come to love and know well lying dog-faced pony soldier, lying dog-faced pony soldier. He used that term to describe anybody who doesn't believe in global warming. And he used it during his press conference uh, responses and replies. He used it again. Well, he said, there's a lot of lying dog-faced pony soldiers out there about, about global warming. But not anymore. All of a sudden, they're all realizing it's a problem, and there's nothing like seeing the light, he said, while he was answering a question about there being no agreement at the G20 summit with regard to fossil fuels. 
A White House official defended Biden, saying he substantively answered questions from several reporters during the press conference. This is a distraction, that defender said, and it would do your readers good service to dive into his answers on China, relations with Indo-Pacific countries, human rights, and climate change instead, the official said. So now the Biden folks, they're not only controlling Joe Biden, they want to control the media and tell every media person what they should do, what they should cover, and what they should say when they talk about President Biden. Sounds to me a little bit like a uh, totalitarian ideology. You don't think that would be going on there, do you? Hmm. Who knows? Well, what else happened over the weekend and what's going on today? You know, this this big thing that keeps going on over in the Senate, you hear it every day now. Tommy Tuberville, a uh, former longtime head coach of the University of Auburn football team, he gets into politics. He gets elected to represent the people of, of um, Alabama in the U.S. Senate. And so he gets up there, and lo and behold, you know what he does? He stands on his beliefs. He doesn't want to give up the ship. He doesn't want to compromise because he thinks absolutes are just that, absolute. And so he's the one that has refused to let the Senate just blow through all of the advancements of the members of people in the military that need to move up, get a bigger rank, get more power or whatever. And he's stopping it. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, a lot of people are now saying, is trying to score political points on abortion amid an impasse over military nominations And that, again, is because of a hold by Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. Tuberville's hold does not, listen to this, this is what every American needs to know. His hold does not stop nominees from being confirmed by the Senate. They have been screaming that, threatening Tuberville, demeaning Tuberville for weeks and weeks and weeks. But what they want to do is get these confirmations all at one time. They want Schumer to stand up in front of the hall and have a big package of those who are nominated for these advancements and through voice vote, the Senate to just say, bam, you're all it. He doesn't want to use regular order. Now, what is regular order? In this case, nominations go to the Senate. The majority leader of the Senate, which is Chuck Schumer from New York, Democrat, he passes those out to the appropriate committees for the committees to dig through and find out if these nominees really are eligible and should they be confirmed to move up. And they take a vote on that in whichever committee they're in. And then it goes to the full Senate after there's been an investigation and the Senate votes to confirm or not to confirm. 
That's the way the Senate is supposed to work. In fact, regular order is supposed to be the order of operations in both houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. But it costs too much time. We don't have time for that. So what we want to do is for the leaders, like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and then Nancy Pelosi when she was the Speaker of the House, they have all the power and they just bring to the floor whoever they want or whatever bill they want only when it's time to vote. There's no debate. There's no committee operations whatsoever. Chuck Schumer refuses to do regular order. And that is what Tommy Tuberville is objecting to. I don't think the Democrats are particularly concerned about the hold or its effect on military readiness, which is the propaganda they're throwing around. If they were... They would work around or directly through the hole. That's coming from Mike McKenna, a former deputy assistant to Donald Trump for legislative affairs. There's a hold on over 300 nominees to general and flag officer positions in the military. And Tubbs' reason for it is because of the Biden administration policy of reimbursing members of the military services for their travel to go seek an abortion in states whose laws permit it. That's what this is all about. Why should you and I pay for their transportation to go somewhere to get an abortion? Abortions aren't health care. Did you hear me? Abortions aren't Healthcare. Why should we be paying for non-health care? Some policy that they came up with that doesn't have anything to do with the health of that military member. Even though Schumer could confirm the nominees by regular order, he's not done it. Leading legislative veterans to claim that Schumer has vested interest And these legislative veterans are the ones that are exposing Schumer for this wrongdoing. He's using this as an opportunity to score cheap political points and further the left's pro-abortion extremism. That's Ryan Walker, the acting executive director of Heritage Action and a former top congressional aide, adding his refusal to use regular order to confirm DOD nominees shows that he doesn't believe his own criticisms of Tuberville's holes on military promotions. Following the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade last year, this is what it's all about. Senate Democrats have sought to highlight abortion as a political issue. Of course, they always have. They are expecting voters to disagree with the Republicans' pro-life positions. It's imperative that we make plain to the country just how extreme and dangerous Republicans' anti-abortion agenda is. That's from Democratic Senate President Pro Temp Patty Murray. I don't think the Democrats are particularly concerned about the hold or its effect on military readiness. If they were, they'd work around or work directly through the hold kind of using regular order. 
pontification. Symbolism over substance. There is no substance there. There isn't any. You cannot in your right mind come up with a health care honest reason that taxpayers should pay or have any pay part of abortions. Although you need to understand this, we've been paying for abortions for people in the military. It changed, of course, when the Supreme Court did what they did. They overturned Roe v. Wade. And now these military members, if they want an abortion and they're stationed in a state where it is not legal for abortions to occur, they can get the abortions. And the question is, who's going to pay for them to drive or fly or however they're going to go to whatever state it is? Can you believe with all the issues we have going on in our lives today that that one is the biggest holdup for business to be done in the United States Senate? The Senate is basically sitting there with their fingers up their noses. Those are the people's representatives. Those are the ones that have the sole authority to put together and craft and pass our laws and get them to the president to sign so that we can go about and get the business of the nation done. Paying mileage for an abortion is as trivial a thing I've ever heard the squabble over this when it's just about what's doing something that's right. Just doing what's right. Americans, in large point part, don't want to pay for abortions, period. I, I'm this way. I know they happen. I know people use them. I know people who have had abortions. I don't know, by the way, a single person that's had an abortion that is glad they had it. I know there are some out there that are that way, but I don't I haven't met one, or at least I don't know if I've met one. I think a person should consider life, life. And there is no biological proof that life doesn't begin until that baby takes its first breath. It's not true. There is no science that guarantees that. So why would we roll the dice on aborting an infant when we don't know for certain that it's alive. We, many of us, believe it is. But scientifically, we don't know for certain when life begins. So why roll the dice on slaughtering human beings? The possibility of it. That blows my mind. We could stay there all day. We're not going to do that. We're going to move on. Let's talk about something that uh, it just keeps coming up back and forth over and over and over. And it's going to. It'll be continual. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Why are we focusing so much on Hunter Biden about all this stuff? Texas Senator Ted Cruz over the weekend, he weighed in about just that thing. The reason people care about Hunter Biden, it's not that he's one troubled soul who's struggled with substance abuse. 
The reason this is a matter of public concern is the heart of the allegations are that Hunter Biden made millions of dollars by selling favors from daddy, selling favors from Joe Biden. This has always been about Joe Biden's corruption, about the multiple whistleblowers who have alleged obstruction of justice, who have alleged that Attorney General Merrick Garland lied under oath and who have alleged that Joe Biden solicited and received millions of dollars of bribes from corrupt corrupt foreign yeah. oligarchs. What this indictment is, is the Biden DOJ trying to shift all the blame to Hunter and ignore President Joe Biden's, the evidence of his corruption. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If there's no corruption there, Mr. President, if you didn't do anything wrong, there's no reason for you to be dealing with this issue ever. You should get it out of the way. You want to be a president again. You want four more years as president. Clean the slate. How do you do that? Open up your financial records and just show us and prove there's no there there. We could end this in a matter of a day or two if you just do that. And the fact that you refuse to do anything like that and you deny, deny, deny when all this evidence just keeps piling up that says there's something going on there. It makes people think, yeah, there's only one reason why he would continue to do that, and that would be if it's true, if he really is in the tank, if he's really been dipping in and illegally taking bribe money. And nothing short of that revelation, the whole truth, let us see everything, is going to make the American people believe that you are honest and that you weren't involved. Why? Because you've been caught in some lies, numerous lies. Oh, I've never talked to my son about my brother or any other person's overseas business deal. We've never met. I've never talked to him. We have pictures of you meeting with him. We have people that were part of the conversations that you were part of with these foreign people. And you've done it over and over and over again, and you lie about it. When we were kids and we were hiding something from mom, what'd mom do? She'd go talk to somebody else's, some other kid's mom, and get a version of what that kid told their mom and compare notes. Why? To get the facts. To get the facts. Now, this noose is getting tighter on Hunter Biden, and it may be, and here's the thing that really irritates me, it may be happening because Biden is setting it up to happen this way. I think at some point in this process, as a last-ditch effort to save Joe's hopes for another term in the White House, he's going to have to throw his son under the bus. I think there will be a time where Joe will call Hunter or Hunter will already be at the White House. Many people have been thinking he's been there living for a while, very quietly. Doesn't matter. But but the two are going to get together, maybe in the Oval Office, maybe somewhere else. And Joe's going to explain to Hunter, son, this is all about to explode. And the only way we can salvage this for you and for me is for you to take the pain 
of all of this on yourself. Why, Dad? Why would I do that? You've been as involved in this as I have. You were the one that worked with me on how to structure it and all that kind of stuff. I'm just kind of thinking how that conversation would go if it was me and my son. And Joe would say, look, look, if you take the fall, we'll craft, we'll get Merrick Garland, attorney general, to help us and we'll craft a, a plea deal and you'll go to jail, but it'll be for a short sentence, but it'll be one that we can use and put behind us and say, yeah, look what we did. We're answering for that. And then I'll be reelected and I can pardon you, give you a full pardon, get you out of jail immediately and everything will be okay. If Joe can sell that to Hunter, that's the if, but there's a lot going on behind that and it gets worse now because we were told that Hunter will be indicted you know that gun crime that that special deal was out there on the table and everybody thought it was going to work and Hunter was going to walk scot-free federal prosecutor said this month he plans on indicting Hunter on gun violations. The clock is ticking for Hunter Biden as special counsel David Weiss is now expected to indict the president's son on gun charges by the end of the month, according to a new court filing. Charges that could land him in prison for up to 10 years. Hunter Biden's attorney is pushing back, saying his client has been investigated for years and that the only thing that has changed are the politics. They know everything there is to know about the gun possession. Hunter had a gun for 11 days. It was never loaded. It was never used. There has never been a standalone gun charge like this brought by this office ever. So then what changed? Not the facts, not the law, but we have seen over the last six weeks, the politics have certainly influenced the outcome. This as House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is pushing for unrestricted access to National Archive records involving communications between then-Vice President Joe Biden's office and Hunter Biden's business associates. We know that uh, Hunter Biden was communicating with the White House. We believe there are more that the archives are sitting on where the Biden, uh, the Hunter Biden legal team, the Hunter Biden PR people, the Hunter Biden's shady characters who were paying him were communicating through him to his father back and forth. There was no wall between Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, and his shady business dealings. Joining me now from the House Oversight Committee, Congressman Byron Donalds. Congressman, great to have you on the program. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about the significance of this possible indictment because theories are being floated out there that special counsel David Weiss is using this as a ploy to then go back to the kind of sweetheart deal that he had presented before, that not necessarily is this an example of justice being served. Well, first of all, it's good to be with you. Uh, let's let's unpack a couple of things. Number one, David Weiss should not even be the special counsel. It is Department of Justice regulations that a special counsel should come from outside the government. His office already screwed up the original indictment. They're the ones that put together that sweetheart deal, which Merrick Garland signed off on, by the way. They're the ones that screwed that up and they get a second bite of the apple. That is completely wrong. Number two, the fact of the matter is, and this is to, to Abby Lowell, 
What's changed here is transparency, not politics. The fact that people in the, of, our, of our country now understand that Hunter Biden was getting the sweetest deal known to man because his daddy is president of the United States. It's that simple. And so when you bring sunlight to this, that's why he has to be held accountable like any other citizen of our country would be held accountable. Number three, I am very concerned that because David Weiss is a special counsel, and he was the original counsel on this case, that there's not going to be any thorough look at the lack of an investigation that occurred with respect to Hunter Biden. And they're going to try to clean up the original deal they had so they can sweep this under the rug and move on. Yeah, a lot of moving parts to this. Um, we'll be watching it as this news develops. But Congressman, I also want to get your take on the work that the House is doing with respect to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings overseas. Um, is it possible that there's, you know, progress made forward on the Hunter aspect, but also that Joe Biden could face impeachment himself? Oh, yeah, I 100 percent believe this is possible. And here's why. These accounts that were set up originally, the core of the tax evasion that Hunter Biden did do, did do to the tunes of millions of dollars, the accounts that were set up were when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. Joe Biden was in business meetings with Hunter's clients. Joe Biden was on the phone. Now we find out that there's 5,400 emails that the National Archives has had this entire time where Joe Biden is using fake names in these emails, fake email accounts, so he can, con so he can communicate with business partners on the side, all the while Joe Biden has consistently said he never knew anything about what Hunter was doing. Then they had to change the story to say he never benefited from what Hunter was doing. But there is a text message from Hunter Biden to his daughter saying that at least you don't have to pay half of your salary to me the way I have to do it to my father. This is a joke. Yeah. It is public corruption. And I believe that when we have these, these emails, it's going to demonstrate what we all know, which is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have been in cahoots the entire time. And when it comes to sort of getting to the bottom of this issue, the emails are really important. They've already exposed the fact that the president has lied to the American people time and time again on this issue. And as you mentioned, now changing the story. First, it was I didn't know about it. We never discussed it. Now I never benefited from it. Um, but the bank records are going to be crucial in this as well. And the president made a very sort of um, sarcastic comment about that, about where's the money, right? But the bank records of these shells companies would eventually show where that money trail is. I know it's a little bit more complicated in the forensics to get to the bottom of that, but is any progress being made there? Yeah, there's a lot of progress being made on this front. We've been subpoenaing records about this very thing because it's not just that Joe Biden had to take money into his accounts. If Hunter Biden was paying for things for the benefit of Joe Biden, that is more than enough. And I will also add something else. Hunter Biden is in violation of FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act. He is in violation of that. If Joe Biden even knew or understood that he was representing foreign entities, entities without being licensed to do so or registered to do so. Mm. He is a co-conspirator in a violation of the FARA regulations and statutes under the United States law. Right. These rules have to apply equally to everybody in this country that is a citizen. Um, Congressman, while you're here, I want to get your take on how the president
presidential race is shaping up. We are looking at this second Republican debate. It's going to be held right here on Fox Business. Um, we've also got a new CNN poll that shows pres former President Trump uh, is head-to-head -head with President Biden in a hypothetical matchup. And Trump's still expanding his primary lead over other GOP candidates despite some recent changes and uh, a looming trial, those recent charges, rather. This is coming as Nikki Haley's team is now blasting DeSantis and Ramaswamy as being Trump light, saying they, quote, copy Trump on everything. And other candidates argue that the GOP needs a, a more, quote, electable candidate than the former president. How do these arguments hold up? What can we expect to uh, hear and see from the former president over the next few weeks? Because what I'm seeing is the more he gets out there, the more the charges pile up, the more people are supporting him. Well, look, let me talk specifically to Republicans. As far as I'm concerned, unless somebody breaks out and takes a commanding position as the number two person in this race, this thing is over. You have three candidates, essentially, who are all basically tied, talking about Governor DeSantis, Governor Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy. If this continues to hold, this thing is done, because Donald Trump is over 50 percent in basically every poll. And in the first couple of states, he has a massive lead, 20 to 30 points in the early states. So so somebody's got to break through. I don't know who's going to do it. Frankly, I don't expect it to occur. Donald Trump is going to be our nominee. Now, let's shift to the general. Joe Biden is a terrible president, and everybody knows that. Couple that with the fact that he does look feeble. He doesn't look like he has the stature to stand up to world leaders on the global stage. That's a major problem for America going forward. So I fully believe you're going to get a replay of the 2020 elections, and, pre and, and people are going to look at it and say, who did the better job, the 45th president or the 46th president? It's without question the 45th president, Donald Trump, did a significantly better job, and he will be reelected as president of the United States. Congressman Byron Donalds, always great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Some great information out of that interview with Byron Donalds. Um, he is a rising star in the Republican Party. He's a great congressman. People in Florida that he represents, they love him. He's a straight-by-the-book, straight-by-the-numbers kind of guy, he says the way it is. Boy, isn't that pleasant? in today's politics. I want to tell you something that's coming down the pike in the next couple of days. I'm working on a story, um, and it's a deep one, and it's very hard to write because it's so intricate. When I write stories, especially on controversial subjects, I want to make sure I've got all of the facts in the story and keep the personal opinion to a minimum so that everybody will understand I'm supporting the facts in this story or I'm not supporting some of the facts in there. I want to be very transparent about it. But it has to do with this huge tug of war that happens every day by people primarily in the U.S. Senate, but nobody's exempt. It's happening in the U.S. House of Representatives as well. The divisiveness is getting to epic proportions. The left are going stark, raving, crazy, denigrating anybody and everybody in America that has a differing opinion than they do on any issue whatsoever. And the responses that the Democrats are giving are not based at all on any factual thing 
that has been said, has been done, or is thought, they are rabid at this particular point. And they're down now to the name-calling, anti-democracy, anti-democrat, MAGA extremist. They've gotten to that point. Don't have any facts to refute anything that any of these so-called MAGA or conservative sycophants have to say or think. No facts to negate it. They have just started calling everybody names. So is there a real attack on democracy in the United States? Absolutely, there is. There has been. And we, the people, need to wake up and realize how real it is and how important it is for us to get on top of it before it gets any more footage in Americans' mind and memory. That story comes out, if not tomorrow, on Wednesday this week. I'll tell you later about it. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. I've got some polling numbers generally, and then from California on a couple of major issues I want to get to in a minute. But let me share something with you that just happened minutes ago on CNBC. I can't believe you're talking about CNBC stuff. That's NBC and their money channel, their cable channel, right? Yep, it is. But listen to what was just discussed. CNBC's Joe Kernan He's the anchor, confronted Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adamo over claims from the Biden administration that the deficit 
has been reduced. Do you remember that? Joe Biden, he's constantly telling people in speeches, we've cut the deficit, the budget deficit, more than any other president in American history. And it's not true. So these guys, CNBC's Joe Kernan and Secretary, Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adamo, they had this conversation. The deficit is expected to reach $2 trillion, doubling 2022's $1 trillion deficit following an increase in government spending through the so-called Inflation Reduction Act and higher Social Security payments because of inflation. Now, that news I just gave you, that comes from Washington Post, so we know we've got to believe it, right? (laughs) Biden has consistently claimed he has reduced the federal deficit and government spending but was only reduced after COVID-19-related spending measures expired after Biden entered office. We hear the president consistently and a lot of his people bragging about having cut the deficit when it was a trillion last year. It's two trillion this year. Are you concerned? What about next year? Should we not be like perhaps misleading the public about how we've done with the deficit and start tackling it? That's the question asked by Kernan. So the Deputy Treasury Secretary, Adamo, said, so I think the truth is that we cut a deal with Republicans. No, I just mean big picture. What do we do? Another $2 trillion? No, we haven't cut the deficit this year. We doubled it from last year. I think big picture... The goal has got to be that we take steps to make sure that we have fiscal sustainability. The president laid out a plan that includes $3 trillion of bringing down that will bring down the deficit. I think the question really is what the other side proposing. We've proposed increasing funding for the IRS so we can collect some of the money that people who don't pay pay. Ultimately, we have a gap in terms of the money the IRS is owed. It's about $600 billion a year. So if we close that gap, that's up to $6 trillion over the same period. Now, that, of course, is from the Deputy Treasury Secretary. You know, I think the president's also called for certain cuts and making sure that we're in a position where we can reduce the cost of health care, which is a huge cost in our economy, by cutting the cost of prescription drugs, looking at ways that we can cut subsidies in the economy to oil and gas industry, he continued. But I think in order for us to get a deal, you've got to have the other side be in a position where they have proposals that are credible going forward. And the president's willing and committed to having that conversation to try and make sure that we're on a fiscally sustainable path. Wow, do you believe all that? (laughs) I can't believe that they would say all of that, but they weren't finished. The White House was pressed in February about Biden's claims he reduced the deficit, with Press Secretary Corrie Jean-Pierre ignoring the COVID-19 funding aspect and instead arguing Biden has made it his mission as a politician to reduce spending before trying to blame Republicans. 
So it's the same dry, worn-out talking points. Forget about the facts. There's not a single American out there that is involved in regular running a family, running a home, working, having bills, paying for those. Not a single person out there that has not seen Bidenomics bite them in the butt. It's top to bottom. I go to the grocery store at least twice a week. Marianne goes another twice a week. We just shake our heads. We cannot believe how much the cost of things has risen in just two and a half years. Now, wait a minute. Why'd you say two and a half years, Dan? Well, it's because all of this happened since Joe Biden was elected president. No, wait a minute. Since Joe Biden was inaugurated as president. All of this has happened on his watch. So what's changed? What's changed? Did all these manufacturers, did all of these people that create all this, did the big businesses that provide great services to people, did they all just get mad and PO'd and raise their prices on everything to gouge us? Are you saying that's what happened? Well, if you are, you're lying to the American people. They will not admit that any policy they have in place has done one thing to hurt Americans economically. $8,500 more this year across the government, across America, I'm paying $8,500 more this year than I paid last year for the same exact things this year that I got last year. And what's next year going to be like? Two months before the 2024 election, how bad is it going to look then? Have you seen anything that Biden's put in place, any proposal he's made to put in place that's going to reduce the deficit, which is part of our massive inflation? No, he doesn't want to reduce the inflation rate. Because to do that means you got to cut spending. And you heard what I read from the Treasury. The Deputy Secretary of the Treasury said, today, Biden's got cost cuts that he wants to do. And one of them is to cut natural gas and oil subsidies. I got another idea. If you're going to cut those subsidies, what about the green new energy Hundreds of billions of dollars Joe Biden has spent that is part of the Inflation Reduction Act that isn't reducing inflation. Facts matter. They don't matter just every once in a while. They matter every day. And Americans aren't stupid. Americans get it. CNN put out some horrible political poll results on Thursday. We shared a few with you on Friday. They pointed to potential disaster for Biden's re-election campaign. That's according to CNN's network chief congressional correspondent, Raja, who took to the hallways of Congress, got the reactions of over a dozen Senate Democrats. So CNN anchor Dana Bash said this on Thursday after the poll. There's no way to spin this. I think the people have basically spoken loud and clear. That's from Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, a Democrat senator. They're not happy with the two choices, 
and only choices. He declined, Manchin did, to predict whether there could be a third-party candidate. CNN reported that day that Biden's performance in office and on where the country stands are deeply negative in the new polling. His job approval rating, just 39%. 58% say his policies have made economic conditions in the U.S. worse, up eight points since last fall. 70% say things in the country are going badly, a persistent negativity that has held for much of Biden's time in office. 51% say government should be doing more to solve the nation's problems. Isn't that what our government's supposed to do? Work for the people. And they should govern of the people. In other words, the people should be in the process of governing. And we're supposed to be. How so, Dan? We elect people to go up there, and when they're running for election, they tell us all the things they're going to do and all the things that they're going to stop if we elect them. So we elect them, and they go up there, and then they don't do the things that they said they were going to do. Americans are accustomed to that. We don't trust our representatives up there in large part because they don't do it. They wonder why every time a new indictment comes down against Donald Trump, why his support in the polls keep going up dramatically. How could a criminal garner such report? It has to be those evil MAGA extremists. They don't care. They want him to be the king. No. There's one difference. Joe Biden, he hasn't done anything he promised to do for us except to kill the fossil fuel industry, which we're paying out the wazoo for, and which if we get embroiled in a war of any kind, it's going to kill this nation because he's exhausted all of our petroleum resources. He's been selling our standby resources, our petroleum reserves. Joe Biden has been selling it on the open oil market markets worldwide. You know why? To try to keep the cost of gas down at the pump. And so he's used to almost all of it. There's nothing there. The nation is busted when it comes to oil reserves. Nearly half of registered voters, 46%, say that any Republican presidential nominee would be a better choice than Biden in 24. And this is a CNN poll. Despite the fact that CNN found there's no clear leader in a potential rematch between Biden and Trump, who is widely ahead in the GOP primary, that's coming from Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, she remains convinced that an orange man bad mentality will pull Biden over the finish line. I think every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, he draws that contrast. Yeah, he does. Americans say, yeah, I remember. I remember when I paid $1.69 a gallon for gas the day Joe Biden was elected, and I'm paying over $3 a gallon now, and I'm happy to get it when it's right at $3 now. Most places, it's $4 a gallon. I remember that. 
These people think Americans don't have recall, that we don't know that our bank accounts are not as full as they were under Donald Trump. You want to hear about another poll? I think you'll like this one. It makes a lot of sense. The concept of the state delivering cash payments for reparations to the descendants of enslaved African Americans, that concept is opposed by a two-to-one margin in California. Two-to-one in California, people that are voters there. They said, no reparations. This insight into public reaction to offers of cash settlements, it shows difficulties await state lawmakers across the country when they start to consider the idea already flagged for action next year. The UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies poll, it's co-sponsored by the LA Times, found some 60% of voters oppose cash payments compared with 28% who support the idea. The lack of support for cash reparations was resounding. More than 4 in 10 voters say absolutely not. It has a steep uphill climb, at least from the public's point of view. You think? That's Mark DeCamelo, director of the IGS poll. The Times report said this. Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom and state lawmakers created California's Reparation Task Force back in 2020 with the goal of establishing a path to reparations that could serve as a model for every place across the nation. After two years of deliberations, the task force sent a final report and recommendations this summer to the state capitol, where Newsom and the Democrat-led legislature will ultimately decide how the state should atone for slavery. The group suggested providing cash to all descendants based on health disparities, mass incarceration, and over-policing and housing discrimination that have adversely affected black residents compared with white Californians. The poll results now pressure Democrats to deliver on something they've been working towards for years even as it is opposed two to one by voters in such strong measure. It states for health disparities, listen to these numbers. The task force recommends $13,619 for each year of residency in California, a figure that was derived by comparing life expectancy between black, non-Hispanic, and white, non-Hispanic Californians. To compensate for mass incorporation and over-policing, the task force recommends eligible descendants receive $2,352 for each year of residency in California during the war on drugs from 1971 to 2020. Housing discrimination, compensation they suggested, total $3,378 for each year between 1933 and 1977, that a descendant resided in California. Now remember, this is all about black versus white. I just thought I'd throw this note out there. We're talking about the state of California. They want all Californians to 
reach deep into their pockets and pull out a lot of money that's going to go in some form to these African Americans whose relatives were slaves because there's been all of these disparities out there. Here's a problem I have. When California came into the United States, guess what it came in as? as? It was a slave-free state by law when it became a state. There haven't been any slaves in California. I just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, every once in a while, just for kicks, for grins, we give you some truth about the insanity that those on the left are pushing. You juvenile night. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Ice Coffee Fix will fix it. <clears throat> Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity. Our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. As a P.S. to that California-related slavery reparations deal, Herschel Walker, everybody knows Herschel Walker, great football player, great Christian man, actually ran for the United States Senate uh, a couple of years ago in 2020 as a Republican. Here's what he said about reparations, and this is a quote. We use black power to create white guilt. Let me repeat that. We use black power to create white guilt. Wow. I, 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 can't, I just can't, I can't in any way. I've tried hard to come up with a justification somehow for reparations because everybody knows 
There were slaves in America. They were treated inhumanely. It was a horrible situation. But when you look back over your shoulder and before you were even a person, and you look back at the nation when you weren't even alive, so we in no way can understand exactly what was going on in those years. But here's what we do know. 300,000 white guys in America, 300,000 white guys died. And you know what they died for? Giving slaves their freedom. That's how many people from the South and the North combined. There were people from the South that fought against slavery in the Civil War. People from the North. People were committed to righteousness. A lot of people. And by the way, the leaders of the PAC, when I say the PAC talking about creating, generating, and perpetrating slavery, were Democrats, formal Democrats from the Southern Democrats. They're the ones that created slavery. They're the ones that brought it in. And they're the ones that decided they were going to push back against the United States to keep slavery in place. Facts get in the way, though, when they're not politically skewed, the way the perspective of those that are trying to find some evidence to back whatever their perspective is. Like, how do you justify reparations? Slavery, slavery, slavery. Everybody knows whites were the ones that enslaved us. Well, I never had a slave. And let me just add a little another thing that needs to be considered in that. My ancestors, I'm white, my ancestors came they came over, but they were indentured servants when they came over. Now, what was an indentured server servant? It was a white slave. They had no rights at all. They were bought and paid for by some rich person over in Europe or some that had already immigrated to North America and had a lot of money and wanted to bring so-called servants that were actually slaves And so if you wanted to be an indentured servant, you gave up your rights, you came over here, they provided you a house or a place to live, clothing and food, and you worked for nothing. They could tell you to do anything. They had total power over you, and you were supposed to have a time limit in which you were obligated to do that so many years, and at the end of it, you were free to go. Well, it's kind of similar to what happened to slavery. It's not exactly the same. But what about indentured servants? I don't live in California. But shouldn't somebody, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and never get to any kind of equation that is even remotely realistic. It can't happen. And so what is the left doing? The race baiters, they're never going to stop Oh my gosh, there are so many of them in the United States. Their one purpose is to perpetuate racism. Let's keep it up there. Well, I don't think the United States is real racist right now. Well, I tell you what, you're a racist for saying that. 
They've got to keep division and divisiveness up there because they're monetizing it. Who made buttloads full of money over the last three or four years because of race? Black Lives Matter? All of the black activists that they, every time they could get a pulpit, when there was a white person that shot and killed the black person, any kind of stuff like that that happened, what is common in every one of those scenarios? Money. And money flows from the white-affiliated to the black-affiliated beings and groups. It happens every time. Race baiters. They love it. They don't want there to be peace and harmony and race in the United States because then they don't have anything that they can use against people. Get them mad. Get them believing that they're owed something. Somebody owes me something. Freedom is the most important human right. Slavery is the most egregious thing that has ever happened to a human. It's the worst thing you can do to another human is put them in slavery because all of your rights are gone. They belong to somebody else. Equality. Oh, my gosh. We could spend a week talking about equality. Equality, folks, is not the same thing as equity. The reason the left, the social justice warriors are screaming, they're not talking about equality anymore. The Declaration of Independence talks about equality, equal justice under the law, freedom and justice. Equality is not guaranteeing somebody specific results from living in equality, it's guaranteeing everybody is going to have the equal chance to pursue the things that they want to pursue within the law. That's what we're all promised. In fact, you don't even have to be an American. If you if you step foot on soil here, if you come over here, and maybe you Immigrate over here, you're in the legal process, you're trying to learn, do all the things to become a U.S. citizen, but you're not. You are still guaranteed under the Constitution the same rights as every other person, every other American citizen. Equal justice under the law. I'm done with that. (laughs) We're going to move on. We have a lot of other things I want to talk about. We just passed another anniversary of our crazy, horrible withdrawal from Afghanistan, if you could call it a withdrawal. And I didn't hear many people in media last week interview people directly. They had some of the parents, the family members, the Gold Star families that Those are the parents and the family members of those 12 that were slaughtered by that suicide bomber at the gate at the airport in Afghanistan. That was a horrible situation. There's no way anybody can say it wasn't grossly mishandled by the Biden administration. But the entire process made absolutely no sense. 
There was no formal method of withdrawal that was adopted by the Biden administration, top to bottom. The generals, they walked around with their head in a cloud. They didn't know. Our Secretary of State had no idea that there was a formal plan, piece by piece, that had been put together by the Trump administration that had been negotiated with the Taliban, and it was handed over to the Biden administration, and they never even looked at it. Over the weekend, some of the family members of those people that lost their lives and some Army veterans weighed in on the Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was one of the worst debacles. And just watching the withdrawal happen and watching all the helicopters taking off and the planes taking off, I was just horrified. And all I could think of is that we don't leave people behind. In the military, you just don't do that. And our commander in chief did exactly that. And he failed our country, so I was... Just heartbroken. Any friends that were serving in Afghanistan? I, I don't. Well, at the time I didn't, but yeah. now that I'm with the Legion, many of them. Right. So. What do they all say about it? Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. They're they're just they're saddened, they're disheartened, um, but they know that it was a political decision. Yeah. And at times you have to go with what what your commander in chief says. Well, thank you for but your it service. It was terrible. Whitney. That's just one small example of what's out there. Anybody that watched any of that mess, how could you as a leader of a nation even think about even giving any possibility of not having a massive detailed withdrawal plan for every type of human being that we had an obligation to, not just our military members, What about their extended families? What about all of those Afghan, the spies, the people that were working for us and intelligence, translators, all the people that were doing menial labor, helping out our military on payroll, actually working for us, all of those people and their family members. Every one of those people, when they formalized their agreements to work with us, They were guaranteed when we left, if and when we make a withdrawal, we guarantee you, your family, you and your family will get safe passage to the United States. Our military did that every single time. Joe Biden thumbed his nose at every bit of it, was never even considered, never thought of to this day, two years later, There are some of those people still in Afghanistan that have not been able to get out yet. Many of them are hiding for their lives because Joe Biden turned his back. Joe Biden arbitrarily decided, I think I'm going to leave on this day. Bam, get them out of there. This military leadership is the absolute worst that I've seen since I've been cognizant of the American military. And that's from the Secretary of Defense on down. It's not good. And what's worse is when bad decisions are made, like this stuff, none of them will take personal responsibility for any part of it. Not a single one. 
every one of them should have resigned, if not been court-martialed, because what they did was counter to anything that has to do with the American people and our United States government and our United States military. It runs counter to everything we have seen throughout the history of this nation. It's nauseating to me. And the only people that are getting out over there, you know how they're doing it? Private citizens. People in the United States are spending their own money finding ways to sneak these people out in different ways to get them to safety. Our government's not doing anything. Wait a minute, I thought our government worked for us. Hmm. You didn't know that? (laughs) This is a strange world in which we live, folks. Wendy Kinney. Wendy Kinney, you've never heard that name before. She's a CEO of a Christian-based financial tech company, Revere Payments. She just relocated her company to Florida from Nevada, and she's blaming Biden's COVID policies for it. COVID policies. Over three years after the pandemic first became an issue in Nevada, it's still affecting the silver state. And now Biden's threatening to reimpose mass mandates again, heavily impacting children and businesses. So Kenny puts her children first, and she says that after a lot of prayer, she made the decision to relocate from Las Vegas to Palm Beach Gardens in search of real freedom. The anti-business economic policies and bureaucratic red tape of Biden's pandemic mandates also harmed the business, and it only made sense to relocate to a place where she could freely practice her faith and grow her company. When it came to the brand of Revere, Revere is really centered around freedom. Paul Revere, we all know that. And when the decision came, where would we relocate or locate the headquarters for Revere, it seemed the obvious choice for the Freedom brand was the Freedom State of Florida. So for us, it came through prayer and contemplation and really the brand driving along with the Lord, driving where we're going to go. Obviously, she's an unabashed conservative. The announcement of the move for the payment processing company came at the beginning of September. This move will result in the creation of 100 new job opportunities within the next three years. In the wake of the pandemic, Florida saw the largest influx of residents in the nation in 2022. The population in the state jumped 2%. The national average was 0.4% between July 2021 and July 2022. Other states that saw a surge in population, Arizona, Idaho, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. States on the other side that saw a marked drop in population included California, Illinois, and New York. Why? Go figure. Those states also imposed the highest tax burdens on their residents. Over 343,000 fled California. But New York, it won the prize. You want to guess how many? (laughs) 
do you think? 500,000? 1.8 million. 1.8 million. I think Americans will not allow their freedoms to be stolen again, Kenny said. The American people aren't going to stand for it anymore. If you just look around an airport or you go anywhere, you see 95 plus percent, if not more, of the people are not wearing masks. And then you see the few scattering of people here and there who have their children masked up or they're masked up even to this day. She said, but I think trying to put the American people in a position where they're locked down again, I just think that would really be catastrophic. I don't think that the people of America are going to tolerate it. And I can tell you what, there's no way it's going to be tolerated. It's not. Americans have had enough of this crud. We just don't, we just don't want to be told we're stupid when we can read what science says about this stuff. We hear the authorities, not Anthony Fauci and his ilk. I'm talking about real authorities on medicine, everyday medicine. Anthony Fauci has never treated one COVID patient. Do you know that? He didn't treat a single COVID patient, but he told you and tens of millions of others of us exactly what to do and what not to do, and he changed it over and over again himself. And he had the power and authority to tell us to do anything and everything. Thousands lost their jobs. Thousands, listen to this, lost their lives because of stuff that Anthony Fauci said. Americans see all of that now. We're not going back there. Facts matter. We're going to stick to listening to and abiding by facts. Now, I want to explain. I want to make sure that I don't miss this telling you about this insanity that is going on about this one thing of misgendering, misgendering. Conservative activist Christopher Rufo has been named. Now, you're going to want to share this, so you may you listen real closely. This illustrates our social justice system in the United States and gives an example of how stupid it is. Conservative activist Christopher Rufo has been named in a civil rights complaint filed against New College in Florida, claiming that he misgendered a school official by not using Z-E or Z-I-R pronouns. You didn't hear me wrong. I didn't even know we had this new set of pronouns out there. Z-E or Z-I-R pronouns. This guy's gotten sued for that. Rufo was appointed to the school's board by Governor Ron DeSantis in January, along with six other conservatives. The appointments were made in an effort to eradicate critical race theory and woke ideology from Florida state schools. Biden's Department of Education launched an investigation into New College after receiving a complaint in August that asserted the school's board had fostered a quote-unquote hostile environment for transgender and disabled students and staff. 
The complaint naming Rufo was received by the DOE's Office for Civil Rights on August 24th. In it, Rufo is accused of specifically targeting students, parents, and staff with, quote, sexist and transphobic ridicule. A copy of the seemingly frivolous complaints that Rufo posted on his substack claims in one incident that he allegedly mocked and misgendered the director of New College's Office of Outreach and Inclusive Excellence, Yolidi Rosario Hernandez, after Z.E. was summarily fired. Z.E. What is Z.E.? Put your... Put your ears on. Listen closely. Z-E or Z is a neo-pronoun, which is a form of personal pronoun preferred by some non-binary individuals who don't feel that conventional pronouns, including they and them, by the way, those are the ones that we thought we were supposed to be using. Uh Uh-uh. There's another group out there that won't accept that. They'll file a lawsuit against you. They feel that the regular conventional pronouns don't, they don't think that they accurately represent their gender identity. So they came up with this new one. Rufo ostensibly noted in the March post made to X that Rosario Hernandez used the preferred pronoun before referring to the official as her and she in the next sentence. New College of Florida has fired its former DEI director, Yolady Rosario Hernandez, Z. Zer, after abolishing her department, Rufo posted to Twitter. Well, we can't even call Twitter Twitter. Rufo posted that to X, formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) Rosario Hernandez lashed out at me in the Washington Post, but I wish her well and hope she uses the opportunity to develop useful skills. Rufo is also named in the complaint as allegedly stating that LGBTQ plus people have synthetic sexual political identities and that transgender people have personal psychopathologies. (laughs) Where do these words come from? Trustee Rufo mocks transgender students calls new college students mentally ill and blames their mothers, the complaint states. Evidently, a whole list of perceived sliders was listed in the complaint as well. A plethora of other hostility against marginalized groups at new college was cited in the complaint, including the removal of gender-neutral bathroom signage and the abolishment of the college's diversity program. This is from the New York Post. The board is being accused by radical leftists of being overtly hostile towards new college students, faculty, and staff on the basis of race, gender, religion, and disability. So what did old Rufo have to say about any of this? Well, he blasted. Rufo blasted the investigation on Friday. He asserts it has no merit and will not hold up. He also noted that the complaint alleged that defunding the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion DEI Department and the Gender Studies Program 
constituted a violation of civil rights law. This is a brazen attempt to subvert the democratic governance of New College and entrench left-wing ideological programs under the guise of civil rights law. Rufo wrote that on Substack. You want me to tell you how I promise you this one's going to come out? Let me tell you how it comes out. If you ever get into a situation where you have a large number of employees, there are going to be problems. You're going to have problems getting along. You're going to make people mad. You're going to have managers that work for you. Uh, They're going to say the wrong thing, hack somebody off, and they're going to go postal on you. They're going to start talking about litigation and all that kind of stuff. One time, and we had a rather large company. We had 300 employees at one time. I got involved in one, and it was from somebody that had gotten terminated for a series of things that she had been warned about, had been written up by managers and supervisors. It was all documented, and after it happened multiple times, she was called in and terminated. Well, she filed a claim against us, and it was a racial claim that was filed against us, And uh, we denied the claim in writing. Our HR department did all of that. And when it it came time for a a real lawsuit, I mean a civil lawsuit, I got involved. And so I I went to the hearing myself representing my company. She was shocked when she saw me in the courtroom. And I was called up to testify. And I had her file. And I just read it very matter of factly across the board. And the workers' comp judge got up to leave the room for just a couple of minutes, and I looked back at her, and she just screamed at me, how can you do this? You can't abuse your employees like this. And I just looked at her and said, all I'm here for is to make sure that you don't set a precedent for what would probably happen in my company going forward if I didn't step up and make a precedent and make sure that you were held to the rule of law in this because we did the right thing and you're never going to get away with it. Well, the judge walked back in and she screamed at the judge, he can't talk to me. He was talking to me while you were out. Judge just looked at it, didn't say anything. So she lost the case. I got back to my office later that day, and her attorney called me. And he said, Mr. Newman, a receptionist, I knew who he was, and I told her to put him through. Came in, and I said, hi, how can I help you? And he said, well, we're going to appeal this, and we're going to take it to a state uh, employment court down in New Orleans. Now, Shreveport is 350 miles away from New Orleans, and he gave me that and told me he was going to file it there because he knew I, I wouldn't want to go down and, you know, take this case on down there. And I told him, I said, look, you can do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do to make sure that the law is applied here and that what's right and what was wrong is going to be delineated and who was doing either one of those will be held accountable for it by a court. You're the one that started this, so let's go. Let's just tee it up and go. 
And he said this, well, Mr. Newman, you don't need to spend any more money on this. We can come to some kind of agreement. That's what this is all about, folks. That's what it's all about, is taking control over other people. It's being to tell people what to do and what not to do based upon some power that somebody just happened to come up with. Not because it's legitimate, not because it's fair, not because it's right, because it's politically not only acceptable, it's politically expedient now. That's where we are, my friends. That's where we are. Thank you for celebrating the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 with us here. Thank you for being a part of this. And know this, all this week and every week, 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday, Central Time, we're going to be back here with you. You guys have a great Monday. And thank you again for sharing with us every day. Every day.